What's happening, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of Just Kidding with Jut and Kana. We are now at episode 7. This is a special one. We had the very hilarious Nimesh Patel on the show. If you're not familiar with Nimesh, he's been doing stand-up for over 10 years. He's also written for Chris Rock and the Oscars. He's written for Weekend Update. He's worked on Sam B's show. He's been in the comedy game for a while. Had a lot of great tips to share with me today. And uh, most recently, he released a YouTube animated series called Zoo Idiots. Uh, it's very, very funny. It's clever. It's different. Uh, we talk a little bit about the series and how it came to life and how he, you know, worked on his skills as a voice actor, something that he'd never done before. If you hear his voice, you'll see he plays a animated tiger pretty well. <laughs> and uh, at the end, we talk a little bit about his comedy journey. He came up in 2009 doing open mics with people like Michael Che and Michelle Wolf. So we talk about how and what it was like to have influences like that early on in your career and see those people blow up and do really, really well. Then we close out with a segment of Judgment Free Zone where we share some comedy ideas. Nimesh is really passionate about healthcare. He is a Patel, so he's got tons of doctor cousins and he's really interested in the U.S. healthcare system and shining a light on some of the inefficiencies and inequities there. And he gives me some advice on my own comedy and how to be more genuine and real and honest with your comedy. Not just tell a joke because it's out in the public, but tell something that only you can tell that's unique to you. So really great conversation. I know you'll enjoy it. And without further ado, my talk with the one and only Nimesh Patel. And we're live with Nimesh, dude. What's going on? Not much, man. How are you? Thank you for having doing me. Doing well, of course. Absolutely. Thanks for being on the show. So, uh, dude, you're having a pretty productive quarantine. You got a bunch of YouTube specials. You got Zoo Idiots coming out. Yes, sir. I mean, seems like you're, I don't want to say thriving, but is that... <laughs> uh, 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 you know, when when Kobe passed away, um, I really took it to heart. Uh, a big, huge Kobe fan. And uh, the whole Mamba mentality is what I've been trying to implement, uh, even just like s consciously of just trying to be be better at everything that I'm doing and enhance every skill I can. And, uh, uh, you know, once lockdown happened, it was apparent that the skill of being on stage was not going to be one I could sharpen, but there's a lot of stuff that you have to prep for before hopping on stage. Um, that you can enhance and that I could enhance. And then uh, uh, I've been trying to, uh, you know, write TV uh, for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I've written pilots and stuff and, and pitched pilots. But uh, earlier this year, like a month after quarantine happened, a, a friend of mine approached me with a, a project and uh, uh, I shot that project down. But um, I, uh, I took the opportunity to Approach a friend of mine, my friend Mookie, and we pitched mm -hmm. this other idea as an animated project. You know, they came to me with an idea for how animals have been impacted by uh, quarantine and how mm -hmm. the climate has changed because of it. You know, and they the the big thing that they were harping on was the fact that dolphins could be seen in Italy's Venice canals, and I was like, that is pretty interesting. It's cool, and you know, and they took that to mean oh, look like humans like chilling out have, has yeah. really positively impacted animals. Sure. And so sure. they wanted to do something about climate change. 
And I was like, let's do this animated thing about yeah. animals locked in quarantine um, as sort of an allegory for what's going on in America yeah. and the world at large. And so we made over the last, I want to say seven months, eight months, we made this pilot for a cartoon called Zoo Idiots. And I'm so proud of it. And uh, uh, I just want everyone on the planet to see it, you know, because yeah. people, people think of standups as kind of one dimensional uh and uh you know i think stand-ups are some of the most creative interesting thought-provoking people on the planet and we have dreams and aspirations um and interest in doing tons of other stuff and that's what zoo idiots kind of uh, allowed me to do that you know yeah no that's awesome um you, it's funny you say that stand-ups is one-dimensional because uh, I was watching the Comedy Store documentary, and I mentioned this with my conversation with Neil Nanda. And if you haven't seen it, like as a comedy fan, it's fantastic. But I'll have to check it out. It's on Showtime. It's on Showtime, but I think Hulu has a Showtime package or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are your parents Comcast password like all? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I should um, do that. Yeah. It's it's really good. It's a five part mini doc. It's mm -hmm. and Mitzi Mitzi passed away a couple of years ago, so I think it was after her passing. Yeah, it's got all the you know Rogan and Mark Maron and Jim Carrey, and it's it's incredible to see, <clears throat> like especially in like the seventies eighties, the level of star that came out of stand up because it was oh, very yeah. much like you go to the store, you go to um, you know the Tonight Show with Carson, and then you're getting a pilot, you get a sitcom, get Freddie Prinze. And you have all these incredible stars that like Jim Carrey, Michael Keaton was a stand-up apparently. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael realized. Keaton was a stand-up. I yeah, had yeah, no yeah. idea because I just knew him as like Batman and Birdman. As, as um, Batman and Birdman. Yeah, he can only uh, play man characters. Yeah, he can only play either <laughs> and, uh, a superhero or a caricature of a superhero. Yep, 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 yep. But it's wild to think. Uh, I mean, uh, Jim Carrey was a stand. I mean, uh, Jim Carrey's had an insane career, but he started off at the store and. Yep. And I think you know. Even Sandler and all these guys started off, you know, Judd Apatow started off doing stand-up. So. Yeah, all of them. I, mean, I think that's, that's, if you can be funny on stage with your own writing, your own performance, I think the skills that are involved in being a great stand-up embody in so many other ways, whether it's a TV show, a cartoon, like there's, yeah. if you can do that, because it's such a hard, it, I would say it's the hardest thing in comedy is to do stand-up. No, no tracks no anything it's just uh -huh. the most real honest art form if you can do that you're like really funny and everything else i think you could sort of figure out and yeah i think you know what stand-up allows the comedian is it for enforces the comedian to really look at themselves and how they view the world and uh and, and allows how they view the world to really come out and in its sort of most unfiltered form and so once once you're once once that skill set or or that uh that learning is like implanted in your brain you could mm -hmm. apply that to everything else you know yeah and uh i really i mean even, even i keep going back to cartoon but really like mm -hmm. the cartoon if you listen to it closely mm -hmm. uh there's tons of my style of joke in there totally. uh and, and it's like uh uh like there's a my favorite joke in the show is like, uh, we got to turn the AC down so you guys won't melt like a toddler in a hot Camry, you know? And it's yeah. like, that, that's, that's like, that's one of my favorite jokes in the whole yeah. show. And it's just like, that is just purely from stand up. you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like my friend Mookie uh, delivered it perfectly, but 
like that is like taking from stand up mm-hmm. my point of view of the world and like how I can uh, how I would say something and, and, and he just ran with it, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that analogy like a blank is like the classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding the perfect imagery that's so visceral. Yeah, and like so juxtaposed, but like so like contrasting at the same time. That yeah, I like that one. I think I emailed you about the unroganing. Unroganing, yeah, 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 yeah. Of the whole quarantine. <laughs> uh, you have like a conservative un-roganing. rhino sort of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like getting his ass. No spoilers, but I mean, it's a 10 minute video. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, please go watch it. I mean, the thing is, it's like, you know, we wanted it to be an allegory for climate change and for the current environment. And we had to, you know, a, a lot of stand up applied to and really like the, the developing the show really helped me uh, in a lot of facets in my stand up because it forced me to think about. And you know, credit to Mookie Thompson. If you if you don't know who Mookie Thompson is, you should look him up. Like he's fantastic. He's the comedy writing savant, and I've worked with him for years. But he really understands um, television better than uh, most people, and the development of it, and what it forced me to do, developing characters and developing the things they would say and how they look at the world, really forced me to think about uh how i approach my own comedy and like what are the what's the subtext behind everything that i'm saying and and how do i make that subtext clear without being explicit about it and Mm -hmm. uh uh all the characters um have like these deep layers to them Mm -hmm. if you if if you it's a character study the show the show is a character study if you if you really i mean it's definitely a stoner comedy if you're gonna get high and watch it (laughs) um it's fantastic if you're high and watch but it's it sharp too i think kids will appreciate it too like yeah i mean I think it's not just a you know on the surface definitely but i think it's got it's got broad appeal for sure thank you man yeah i mean we designed it that way to be like this is an adult show but if you watch it on mute like even visually it's fucking mm-hmm. hilarious you know mm-hmm. but it's not for everybody you know what i've learned in the process of uploading it is that the Venn diagram between people who fuck with my stand-up and people who fuck with cartoons is like really small, uh, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, you know, not everyone watches South Park religiously, mm-hmm. and not everyone's a freaking uh, Simpsons fan, but if you or Rick and Morty fan. But if you watch, sure. if you watch those shows, and then you watch the idiots, you'll be like, oh shit, this is like really sharp, fucking yeah. fun stuff, you know? Are you are those three like your big? uh comedy co- cartoon yeah. influences are you pretty religious with all three of those uh i'm not religious with uh uh south park um uh, but i've watched okay. most of the simpsons um and i've started re-watching that and yeah. rick and morty i'm on like rick and morty i watch now because it's a newer show like yeah i have less time to watch everything yeah uh, but i i'm definitely on, i'm like season four episode like seven or some shit yeah. but it's just like fantastic stuff and each one it's of them really it's incredible i mean i love i respect south park and simpsons but not yeah. haven't seen all of them by any means but yeah. rick and morty i think took to a next level because uh-huh. dan Harmon, the way he layers jokes the visual jokes and like yeah there's so much there and it's like like you said it's a balance of like stupid poop jokes and pussy jokes and like really intelligent jokes and yeah. you, can, you don't have to get all of them but if no. you if you get all the layers, a kid can watch an adult, a stoner, you know, people, it, you know, there's it's fantastic. so much in there to unpack. It's, he's a really phenomenal storyteller yeah. and uh, uh, the ability to, you know, talk about existential crises and the meaning mm-hmm. of life while also yeah. being a pickle that kills everybody. It's, yeah. just, it's just like yeah, unreal, you know, <laughs> uh, and the Simpsons, 
is, you know, if you watch it, I've rewatched it. Um, I'm on like, I think I'm rewatching season nine or 10 right now. And it's mm-hmm. just like the level of jokes. It's like every second is a joke and it's yeah. just fucking unbelievable. And South yeah. Park for its ability to take on uh, um, things like quarantine and, and yeah. police brutality is like, is just South Park's fearless, I think yeah. is the word. They like, they literally give no fucks and yeah. they just tore down everything around what you can say. Yeah. The things they're doing on Caitlyn Jenner and uh, the manslaughter thing. And like, yeah. they're just like, they, they're not even subtle about it. Like it's no, just it's, in it's, your face. Like it's, it's it fucking hits you over the head. It's impossibly good. It. <laughs> it's impossibly good. Yeah. And uh, uh, those were our benchmarks when we created For sure. Zoo Idiots, you know, like, you know, the guys that are investors um, slash co-creators wanted to do something that could really talk about climate change. And we wanted to do something that was super funny and uh, 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 a bit darker um, and had all these layers to it. And I think we accomplished exactly what we set out to do. Um, yeah. And if we're comparing ourselves, you know, we're, we compare Zoo Idiots to like South Park and Rick and Morty and sure. Simpsons. And obviously the comparison is a very weak one because <laughs> it was literally there's four of us that did this whole thing um, yeah. in terms of like the actual production of it. Mookie and I wrote and uh, uh, created the whole thing. And then our friend Matt Simpson, I mean, uh, Matt Weir um, uh, did all storyboards and production and voiced one of the characters. And then Rob Lynch, our animator, is this... He did the whole thing and it's just yeah, wow. fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. It came out great. Thank it's you, impressive. man. Yeah. And Mookie did all the sound and music and editing and mixing. And it's just, I mean, I'm blown away by the amount of work that goes into it. And the only reason I talk about it so much is because a, it's been the only thing I've been doing for the last like six or seven months beyond the standup. Yeah. And because I have a newfound appreciation for how much work goes into animation and TV writing specifically. It's fucking totally. crazy. What? Uh, how many hours you like roughly across all four of you went into one 10 minute episode? Uh, we literally worked on it since April um, almost every day for like eight hours a day um, <laughs> until it came out. So for, for one episode or for the whole season for the, for one episode, you know, wow. like a lot, a lot of it, it but, well, because uh, uh, you know, we had to develop it. Development yeah. takes a long time. You know, it's not like an arc. Do you have like an arc or story? we have an arc? We have a story arc. You know, it's going to be eight episodes total, but we had to design that story arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, it was like, how do we capture everything that the the co creators, the investors wanted to to have mm-hmm. uh, theme wise, which is climate change and capitalism, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, how animals behave in the absence of power. And we had to uh, develop each character and their backstory and, and who they are, and then you know figure out how all it's. I, I, it feels like so easy to be like, "Yo, it was yeah. ten minutes long," but mm-hmm. that 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 work took like two months, oh, yeah. um, just like creating and thinking, and ideating, and then like we the first draft that we started, I guess I'm gonna say May, um, and where we ended up are like radically different you you know it's like this the pilot we look at the pilot that we first wrote and the pilot that came out is like insane every word was almost rewritten you know um and and so like it became it was started as a pet project you know yeah um uh and it ended up being 
you know, a full-time job uh, in addition to writing stand-up and doing all the stuff I'm doing on YouTube. It just became like, it consumed my world. And then I had to learn how to act because I had to, <laughs> I had to like voice the character that yeah. I voice, I voice the tiger. Yeah. And I've never done any voice acting before. I never, not an actor at all. And then Mookie, you know, trained me to do all that. And somehow in a matter of two weeks, I went from like being sad that I couldn't act to voicing a tiger. Um, and now I could slip into that voice whenever I want and then slip into the evil version of that voice whenever <laughs> I want, which is nuts to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, I mean, everyone hearing is going to hear, if you've never heard Nimesh's voice, this is it. Yes. Um, so I noticed, yeah, you do a little, little twist on your regular voice. It kind of feels like you're doing a share con from Mowgli. Is that yeah. your inspiration? Because it, it, it works really well, I would say. Like, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the inspiration, I watched a lot of Shere Khan. <laughs> uh, I watched a lot of sort of uh, uh, evil um, videos. Yeah, Scar. But then, like, there's a little, there's a, a bit of arrogance, but it's like yeah. insecure arrogance within the character. Yeah, insecure uh, arrogance. That's, and that's that a was, good band name, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, <laughs> that, uh, that kind of uh, really um, pulled me through. And then, I, I, mm -hmm. if I'm listening to it now, there's a bit of Lauren Michaels in it too. Uh, which is okay. which, which is weird, but it's like I, I've never talked to Lauren despite having worked really? at SNL. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, uh, uh, um, he was off in his room doing. Lauren yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I never interacted with him except one time, probably the last show. I was leaving the writers' room after the show, and he was popping out of the bathroom in the writers' room hallway, and I just went oh, and I just slid right <laughs> past him. Um, I was a little drunk, and I didn't want to talk to him then, but. Uh, 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 that's how, but yeah, so there's a little Lauren in it too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that, that took, it, it, despite how much it may sound like me, that yeah. took like Mookie beating me like JK Simmons did in Whiplash. <laughs> like, yeah. like I went home like defeated from his studio, <laughs> just like, fuck, wow. I, I can't do this shit. And then oh, something changed where I was just like, I have, I have to do it. You know, we couldn't recast it. And so uh, <laughs> I had to learn it and I did, I think. And uh, uh, thank you for noticing the inspiration. No, I definitely, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously all Indians love Mowgli because growing up, there's no other, it's like Aladdin and Mowgli are all yeah, we yeah, fucking yeah. get. There yeah. was no Russell Peters or Aziz. No, no, no. To look up to. So Mowgli no. was our brown. He was <laughs> our guy. Middle Eastern, so it doesn't even count. He's like a light-skinned Iranian. <laughs> but Mowgli's yeah, I mean, like our OG. Mowgli's our guy. And it was an honor to play a tiger, you know, the Bengal yeah. tiger. Yeah, white uh, Bengal tiger. White Bengal tiger named Fang Diesel. And it's Fang with two A's. Because What's his last name? Diesel. Ah, Fang Diesel with two <laughs> A's. Homage yeah. to the tech yes yes Tech yes giants. okay i see yeah you yeah, yeah. so that's so that's the thing it's like there's a lot of subtle stuff for sure um within the within the show that i'm not mm -hmm. being explicit about now but uh uh if you if you're watching it you're like oh shit like there's so much here that uh uh um we try to add and layer in you know yeah i think that's how like doing those jokes even if it's for yourself i think the people that really care about like or, or like if you put really good quality work out there with all these levels yeah people will find it and people will notice even if they don't notice it right away they'll be like i feel like there's something else and that's when you get the rewatchability of i mean dan Harmon is i think one of the ultimate examples of just absolute genius and yeah. writing. watch community 
Rick and Morty. You can rewatch those. And all, find like, something new, yeah. Multi- like three, four, five times, and really every time. If you go in the community, like Reddit, it's just like there's so many rewatch threads, and like every single day, someone's like, I found this thing, and everyone's like, I've never seen that. And this show's yeah. been over for years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Community was. Community was the first show that I wrote a spec pilot for. Like, you know, when, when you start, when you get to a point in comedy, like I probably was like three or four years in mm-hmm. when I had my first manager and she was like, you know, got to write a, you got to write a pilot. You could write a spec. A spec is like a version of a TV show that they haven't done, um, but you think would be good in their, on their show. Cool. Community was the first pilot I ever wrote a spec for. And it was about, um, uh, uh, they would have, they had a paintball tournament at their, yeah. or paintball game at their, at their school. That's what yeah. I remember the spec being. And then I think like, uh, and a season later, they ended up doing something very similar. Wait, you wrote the paintball idea before the paintball idea? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was pure really? coincidence. Yeah, I swear. Okay. Uh, Coinc- uh, you think, it, did you have like, cause the paintball episode is iconic. There's it was two or three. I, I forget why what the inspiration was um why i wanted to do paintball but it was like i think i was into paintball at the time i was like all right that'd be fun to do and it was like i think they had done a fort episode mm-hmm, the pillow fort amazing yeah, yeah uh they had done a fort episode and i was like that's cool that's a cool way to like keep the the school enclosed and make it like you know explore mm-hmm. different parts of the school yeah it's like what could we do that would be mm-hmm. Uh, uh what could i do that would be um utilize the school in the same way and i was like paintball would be dope yeah um uh and i think i made it like a pulp fiction okay uh because uh, dan was really into you know uh paying homage to tarantino and like his favorite movies and shit and so i was like pulp fiction was is one of my favorite movies so um i think that's what i if i gotta go read that again um i'll go find that just to read it and see that's what the dope. fuck i was thinking but should release I, that one day it's like i can't say it was good <laughs> you know but uh uh it, the idea was there but yeah i mean that's probably the greatest compliment you know uh the comments that i've read in zooey is like yo i want to watch this you got to watch this twice you know that's like mm-hmm. my favorite compliment when it comes to the show because it's like you watch it there's some there's shit in there i'm just like i can't believe we wrote that you know it's like <laughs> you know there's um my favorite joke that people don't hear is there's the penguins get released and uh, or escape and and monk the main character goes penguin orgy not again it's like that and it's just like that joke is so subtle but it yeah. really means it's been multiple penguin orgies it's just yeah. like that that's my <laughs> that's my favorite joke in the whole show i think um that people don't get at least but yeah but thank you yeah i mean that's the rewatchability is huge for that for zoo idiots not a fucking I'm in love with the show, if you can't yeah. tell, but yeah. No, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, I'm glad you're like really proud of it. Cause I think that's how, you know, I think that at the end of the day, you don't, you don't know how things will be received, whether it's a joke, whether it's a show, but right. making something that's like the best thing you can make and being really proud of it. Like at the end of the day, it's corny, but that's kind of, that's kind of all you can do is be like, yeah. Hey, this is the, you know, we put all of our blood, sweat, tears into this. I'm yeah. proud of it. Yeah. And you know, uh, it'll find you know it'll find an audience and, yeah i mean that's thank you yeah i mean i'm super proud of it a, a fucking lot of work went into it and mm-hmm. yes we did get paid for it but it, <laughs> if you do, if i do the hourly i literally did the hourly yesterday yeah. it's maybe two dollars an hour yeah, yeah. maybe <laughs> maybe two dollars an hour maybe um, so and mookie nice. mookie even less because he got paid he didn't he did everything beyond the um 
uh, writing and creating, you know, the, the sound effects alone, it's like three, 400 sound effects that are in the episode. And he found all those and did all the mixing, all that kind of shit. So shout out to Mookie Thompson. But uh, yeah, I mean, pennies for what we did, but like incredibly proud of the work. Yeah, I think it's funny because you're talking about stand up earlier and how it's like one of the hardest things in terms of like, I think just fear of getting on stage because most mm -hmm. people just can't do that. But it's also like there's no equipment needed. There's a benefit, right? You can just, you, all you need is a mic and a oh, stage. You, you don't even need a stage. Yeah. You need a mic and some people watching. That's really yeah. all it is. Where with on the other end of the spectrum, I think you get an appreciation for cartoons and TV, cartoons specifically. Because I think with TV, you're limited to like what the people can do. With a cartoon, you're like, completely blank slate we can yeah. re-record this a billion times we could redraw this so like getting to the point where you're done is must be challenging because you're like yeah. you can always add more you could always do more yeah and it's it, like with stand-up you can only do what you can do on stage and then you only get five ten whatever minutes yeah then, i mean that that was that was a huge problem for us we you know we kept iterating at some point we're like, we got to stop rewriting this shit because right. it's because it's like this whoa we have room to get better sure. uh, as a whole on the next episode and the episode yeah. after that. And each episode is going to get better and better and better. But at yeah. some point you just got to be like, okay, this is what it is. This is, we have right. to lock this, you know? Right. Yeah. There's something about just putting it out there for sure. And again, yeah, you compare yourself to South Park and Simpsons. I think that's, that's awesome because that's what Andrew Schultz says in all his pods. Mm -hmm. He's like, I look at the best and what are they doing? And I'm, yeah. I'm coming for that. And I think, yeah, that's the attitude that gets you there is like, that's what Kobe did. Right. That's what MJ did. Yeah. LeBron. It's like, I'm going for that. And that's yeah. the only people that get there are the people that aim that high. But it's also <laughs> like, go back to the first episode of South park or the first episode of family guy, compare yourself to that. Cause that's really what your first episode should be compared to. And those yeah. episodes were not anything what they were today. You see the potential, right? Yeah. But the voices change, the drawings change, like family guy specifically. I think I, I that was, the one I watched the most mm -hmm. outside of like Rick and Morty more recently, but yeah, it changed so much throughout. Like Stewie used to be evil and then he turned sort of gay and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fang um, starts out evil and gay. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Only up this, from uh, there. Is this a leak? Is Fang gay? You... <laughs> well, I mean, he's not he's gay. In love with the evil. He's yeah. he's he's uh he's uh he's a storied tiger for sure. Uh, <laughs> he's got. He's got he's got layers to him. He's got layers. <laughs> yeah. But you know the, the uh Fang is uh you know one of the greatest things I've ever created. <laughs> you know it's just like the 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 depth that the man if I wish we recorded the one or two breakthrough sessions that we had where like just like where Mookie and Matt were both beating me to death to be an actor and like what came out of me I had no idea existed within um, as I kind of embodied this, this very storied tiger and that used to be in films and, and was on tour with, uh, was it Siegfried and Roy? And, oh yeah, that's his story, right? This you know, yeah, yeah. We, we kind of, we want to make them, the way we have them is that he's been everywhere. Anything that a famous tiger has done, he's done. Okay. He's just the embodiment of all the, yeah. 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 He's just, he's just, He's just a he's just a famous tiger that yeah. you know longs to be uh, a famous tiger again, and but instead he's in a zoo surrounded by idiots. <laughs> so that's fair. Yeah, so you man. got so you got eight episodes coming out. Yeah, I mean they're not all ten minutes. Um, the the pilot we decided to make ten minutes because we obviously when you make a pilot you need 
enough groundwork to you know develop the characters and the story and lay out what everything's going to be and then uh the next subsequent episodes will likely be four to five minutes each um and you know and the way we envisioned it is that if you look at the series as a whole um that kind of constitutes like one 22 25 minute full-on pilot and you know within within the whole uh series we're going to tell this uh, uh, an arc having story and then when once it's closed you're like oh shit okay you could see this as a full-on 25 minute pilot mm-hmm. but even within there's like many stories that are happening nice uh is this something you pitched or something like this that you pitched to networks or are you using this are you are you sort of okay with the YouTube platform? Because it seems like YouTube has gone from people launching there to people just living there, right? Uh-huh. With guys like Schultz and even you with your clips and Neil and all these comics, yeah. just, you know, using YouTube and saying I don't need NBC or Comedy Central. Well, YouTube I mean, is almost, sometimes a bigger platform. Or bigger well, platform. YouTube is a huge platform, and it's been very um, cool for me to see my own growth on there as a stand-up. You know, like had quarantine not happened. Uh, and had my hour not been out on there, like, I don't know where I would be, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't have 65,000 subscribers and growing, you know? Um, what, what was your quarantine number? Like, what, what were you before in like February th- to today? I, th- I think February, I had like a 1000 subscribers. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, and then, awesome. yeah, and then That's I put, incredible. yeah, I mean, I, I'm so humbled by it. Um, and inspired by it at the same time. Uh, uh, and then I put my hour out the day quarantine, New York shut, shut down March 16th. I put my hour out, I said, fuck it. Um, uh, and then, you know, just took off from there. You know, I think in April or mid-April, it kind of took, went like something in the algorithm caught fire and it just yeah. went from like zero to 60 super fast. And it's just been wow. like, it's tapered off, but you know, go back to the spike and stuff. Um, Did you do the clips of the hour before that spike or after I, that spike? I put one clip from the hour up uh, before back in December and it got mm-hmm. some traction. Um, and then uh, I th- I, I'd have to go back to see like if I put anything else out. Um, uh, I'm not, I don't think I did. I've maybe put one or two other clips out from the hour itself. But when I decided to just put the full hour out, I was like, fuck it. Like it was it was quarantine. Um, I had shopped the hour to HBO and they said, no, you're not famous. Uh, <laughs> basically that this really like, yeah. you know, uh, I could talk about TV buyers in general is like the risk aversion, sure. the risk, the risk assessment, risk assessment metrics that most TV networks have make no sense, mm-hmm. but um, uh, that's all in the past. But they're you not know, the I, first mover, right? People talk about Hollywood as being on the cutting edge, but they're actually the last to respond to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's because people who work in the industry don't necessarily have a full understanding of what risk and return is, you know, like HBO could have bought me for $12. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it, 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 and, and they still could, um, (laughs) it'd be 24 of us now, (laughs) you know, but it's like prices only doubled. Yeah. (laughs) to 24 bucks, you know, but it's like, but, but the, the, before we get, I don't want to get too far away from the whole YouTube question you asked, but like the the idea is like, you know, if you fully believe in something and you can invest in it early, why wouldn't you? Or if, you know, someone, if like the, the standard is there and if you're looking at someone like me, it's like, the standards there, I'm very, uh, uh, I think I'm funny um, and uh, different enough where if you take a low dollar risk, uh-huh. um, it may pay off in droves. Um, yeah. And that's just how I kind of view it and view myself if I'm going to look at myself as a product. Uh-huh. Um, 
but you know that's neither here nor there I, I put my my stand-up hour out on youtube and stand-up living on youtube is interesting grant you know it doesn't pay a lot um but it is a way to draw uh uh uh, people to a live program you know like i don't you wouldn't have come out in in right. you know uh, two weeks ago or three a month ago had right. um had i not been drawing uh, had i not evidenced that i'm good as a stand-up on on youtube right. with the cartoon with zoo idiots it's definitely something we want to be pitching um we're definitely gonna go pitch it at the very least it serves as an incredible sample of work um for what mookie and i can do and what we've accomplished with, you know, barely any resources. Um, uh, and when we started the project, our goal wasn't to go pitch it and what have you. Obviously, that's always in the back of our minds. But the goal was to create a fantastic piece of art. And uh, that is unlike things people, you know, if we compare it to South Park and The Simpsons, but we also compare it to Animal Farm. You know, it's like mm. the, the show uh, subtextually is about humans um or, or animals uh in a vacuum of power and what uh what happens and the different things at stake and how different uh power uh hungry people mm. uh, uh participate in this vacuum and so uh we that was a goal to create this piece of art that communicated all that kind of stuff um and now you know we think we've created something that networks should be interested in you know it's a it's a fantastic thing and you know yes it'll we'll find with it i'm happy with it living on youtube because people right. will see it but our metrics for success have changed quite a bit now it's like okay we want a billion views on this shit because it's that fucking good and we yeah. want every we want comedy central and fox and uh adult swim and cartoon network and whoever interested in buying animation to look at this and be like yo this would be fantastic for our demo um and our, our people because it's a broad show that's really strongly written um and talks about things that a lot of cartoons aren't talking about or at least the best ones are talking about you know right. like it's topical yeah you know it's topical, but like i think you could watch this I next think, year and right. still think it'll like still, it'll still live in two years yeah, from now it'll still be like a relevant show it's topical but it's still an expose of human nature not just yeah. like uh you know jimmy fallon's last night set which is yeah, right. comes stale in a day where this you know has life that lives on where... yeah, yeah yeah cool man um you want to talk about your stand-up journey a little bit i was talking yeah for before. sure for sure um you do stand-up i do do stand-up i wouldn't uh, i don't know i've probably done stand-up more than 20 times but less than 50 times so okay i started like four years ago in mm -hmm. arizona Mm -hmm. And I have a day job and it's actually, it's great. It's flexible, mm -hmm. pays well. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a downside where like, I don't need to do comedy to live. Uh -huh. So it's like a weird, stand-up's a weird hobby to have. I'm sure you uh -huh. uh, can attest to that where if you don't, like everything you listen to is like, you got to do stand-up, you got to hundreds and hundreds of sets and repetitions. Uh -huh. And I'm not at that uh -huh. point, but it's something I care about. I'm a huge comedy fan and I, right. you know, tried to do it whenever I could, obviously with quarantine, being a not famous stand-up is a lot harder to get spots, right? People like yourself yeah. are able to put together shows um, and, and get on sets, all the outdoor shows and the secret shows and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I love stand-up and I, I, I write jokes and stuff. If you have, mm -hmm. I, I do a segment at the end, if we have time, called Judgment Free Zone, if you want to share some bits or some other ideas. Sure, sure, sure. Show some bits at you and... You know when we're wrapping up 
Yeah, I yeah. mean, the, the thing with the thing with comedy in general, and, and this is the only thing I'll say, like, it, that will sound like advice, but even it's not <laughs> like, uh, before, you know, we get to talking about me again. Uh, uh, any aspirational person who wants to do comedy, and, and what were I only learned about writing comedy like for for a late night show or a, you know a scripted program as a stand up. Right. I only I only learned that that was even something I could do because I was tangentially in, I was, because I was in stand up and that was like a tangential thing. Right. But like if you're someone who loves comedy and you want to work in entertainment, like stand up is one option. Um, right. And but that's a specific calling. Like I sure. fucking I want to be on stage. I love it, um, and I also want to write TV and all that stuff. But that's mm -hmm. like an offshoot of 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 stand up like stand up will be the last thing that i quit if yeah. if i had to quit shit you know what i mean yeah yeah uh whereas someone like you or another aspirational person who was like they want to dabble i talked to someone yesterday who was thinking about who who wanted to do stand up but you know they just love comedy it's like yo like uh what i found specifically with indian people and people like you and i or, or other south asians and smart people in general is like yeah you know how to assess and analyze something, right? Yeah. Like just talking to you, I can tell that you probably have a thorough understanding of how TV works or, or how, what makes a good episode of television. And if you don't know it, that's, that's literally something you can study. Like Dan right. Harmon puts out study guides. For sure. There's, yeah, I watch master classes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's not something that's um, impossible to learn. And, and like stand up, it requires a lot of iteration and, and understanding yeah. of what your voice specifically is. But like, it's something that's easier to learn and easier to implement. And granted, the the barrier to entry is a lot harder because you need mm -hmm. might necessarily need a manager or whatever. But you'll be able to if you have a really good sample of work. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you will be able you it's it's not hard. But it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's not hard to find someone who right. will read your shit and help you put uh, put you in a position to be like, oh, maybe this guy could be a TV writer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's one way that, like, it, you know, if stand up is not necessarily something you want to pursue or can pursue for whatever reason, like, again, like, uh, you know, when quarantine happened, it's like I I couldn't do as much stand up right. as I wanted, and I didn't want to do like a billion Zoom shows and yeah. Zoom open mics and shit. Um, so I refocus my efforts to enhance the other skills, you know, for open micers and people like yourself who aren't able to get on stage whenever you want, like, that's something you can be pursuing. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't tell you how many uh, uh, writers for TV shows who end up doing stand up afterwards, because now they have the access to mm -hmm. uh, stages because like, yo, I'm a writer for Fallon. I'm a writer for right. Daily Show. I'm a writer for X, Y and Z. Can I come on stage and do five to 10 minutes, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Right. So the, the, the process isn't necessarily do stand up and then you get to do all this other shit. Mm -hmm. It could be, you do a, become a writer and then now you, you can develop your stand up back. You know, it's just like the yeah. flipping the, flipping the, the order of stuff. Yeah. I think, yeah, you're definitely right. There's no rules. I think there's so many different orders. You could take yeah. it for people going all different directions. I mean, yeah. yeah, personally I do. I do love stand up for the for stand up itself. I don't see uh -huh. it as like a jumping off yeah. point to other stuff. It's just something that 
I'm just undisciplined and I think <laughs> yeah, I mean, it requires a lot of discipline. It's it's just like I said, it's a tough hobby to have because I was in San Francisco for three years, I was in Arizona for a few years, mm-hmm. and you know I was working not a very stressful job, but it's a nine to five. You got to go to the office, yeah. You get home, you go grocery shopping. You're like, do I really want to go wait an hour and a half to do five minutes at an open mic? I have yeah. no friends there. I don't know anyone. It's just me mm-hmm. versus like I didn't have a community or even like a stand up buddy where I think accountability and having someone or even in New York where you could just walk to an open mic. Yeah. Have you have you made some pretty cool early comedy friends, which I, I did. I want did. to talk about. Yeah. Um, but and I'm not trying to make excuses. I, I, you know, looking back at quarantine, if I started four years ago and I'd done it way more, we'd mm-hmm. be. I hopefully would be in a different position. But mm-hmm. the podcast is actually my way of being creative during quarantine. Where came home in March was like you know working from home. Obviously, people are working from home now. Your schedule is infinitely flexible. You work, you get yeah. your stuff done. I'm so productive. Uh, I actually got a promotion during quarantine, so I've been Congrats. doing all right. Thanks, um, and that's why it's like to make what I'd make in my job in comedy. It would take me a lifetime. Like it takes you know to to make a, a regular you know tech job, yeah, corporate job salary in art is just like impossible. It just yeah, it's just you know <laughs> most people don't right. Yeah. So that's like the my constant quandary. Also, as an Indian person with immigrant parents, you're like. I'm not going to like leave my job and do stand, especially now I'm not going to do zoom shows for free and bomb. Nah, you got to pay, fucking... you got to pay the bills, man. Yeah. Got to pay the bills. And I do care. I work in the solar industry. So going back to climate change, like I uh-huh. care a lot about climate change and what, and, what in solar do you do? Uh, I do sales for a large publicly traded solar company. So we do solar power plants actually. So it's not oh, like shit, rooftops okay. and uh-huh. houses. It's like uh-huh. big power plants, the middle of the desert. Uh-huh. Um, that so, explains yeah, Arizona. Really, yeah, Arizona. <laughs> um, okay. And that was in California, too. Mm-hmm. It's a great company. Um, and it, it is good work. But I also do have that creative side where I, I love comedy. I love yeah. podcasts, too. I tried writing a show or a couple of shows with one of my buddies. Not going to call him out. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really go anywhere going back to accountability. Like, it's really fucking hard to just write a show by yourself with no yeah. one around to encourage you or bounce ideas off of. So, yeah, I really just, you know. I'm trying to do uh, Martin actually, who opened for you. He he does a show in DC, so yeah, a, a comedy class. Open yeah, type thing. so you know, try to. I'll, I'm gonna do whatever I can, but for me, uh, like working my job and then the podcast keeps me creative and and makes me happy. And when cool, things man. open up, I feel like I think quarantine's made us appreciative of what you miss. Yeah, for what sure. You miss what you don't miss. Like me, it's like I don't miss the fucking office. I think a lot of people. No. Some people do, but I think most people don't. I miss my but cousins. I, yeah, <laughs> like Thanksgiving's <laughs> yeah. coming up. Yeah. We used to throw a big rager with all our friends every year. My mom yeah. would hand out tequila shots to everyone. Wow. <laughs> she was that Indian Punjabi mom. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Um, but stand up something when when things open up, it's like I I feel like I just you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but I do want to get back into it and, and yeah i mean there. if you're in jersey uh you know there's there's uh, uh what's it called new brunswick uh yeah, stress uh, factory it's like the stress factory and the that's the first yeah. place i ever did comedy really yeah yep august so, yeah. 19th 2009 nice so yeah um do you want to talk a little bit about your early comedy journey you got sure, you made man. Some friends right away that yeah uh, yeah pretty, doing pretty well <laughs> yeah yeah pretty well is an understatement but uh uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I started in August of 2009. I remember uh, the Stress Factory open mic. I brought like 20 of my cousins. Um, nice. All Patel clan. 
a Patel clan. I probably uh, know some of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it. A, a few, a Shukla or two, some Wadiyas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a bunch of, you know, my family Shots. showed up. No shots, no shots. No shots. No shots at all. No. Uh, no <laughs> there was a uh, sign on the door. No shots. No shots allowed, man. No. Uh, a water fountain. <laughs> <laughs> I did that, and then a week, two days later, I was in in New York, um, doing an open mic at Eastville, uh, in mm-hmm. back when it was in the uh, uh, East Village, and uh, it, that was such a stark contrast because, like, you know the. New Brunswick open mic is it open is a bringer open mic you got to bring people to do stage time and you know there was like 10 other 20 other comics there so you know it was like a full room almost yep yeah and then uh 100 plus people at your first show yeah no I'm gonna say it went well I you know I did I thought I had five I did three um minutes and uh it didn't I didn't bomb and people I think were just laughing at the fact I was saying all this ridiculous shit yeah as opposed to actually saying anything uh, uh my worth first re- show was a bringer too have you yeah. done phoenix tempe improv no i haven't that's a great i did like yeah mine was a bringer and there's nice. like 15 people i think it was 250 people at my first that's insane that's insanity yeah and, uh, and then, at a comedy theater yeah yeah and people like you know most people most people at the bringer only laugh at the people uh that they're right. there with you know uh, and then it's just, so it's just like weird to be like shit is silent for everyone uh, for me because I only brought three and my people. My boys are howling. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, <laughs> but then I did Eastville, and then I was just like kind of hooked on it. And then uh, um, uh, there was an open mic called Comedy Corner, uh, no longer exists, but it used to be on McDougal um, and Bleecker. And uh, uh, I remember like all my friends who went to NYU would come down. A few of them would come down at each show, and uh, I met. Um, that's where I met Che uh probably wow. two or three months into comedy was and... che doing open mics at that point i mean yeah i mean we were started yeah, we... This... did he start we... that year yeah he or... started in oh uh, nine i think we i think okay. he started he started like two months after i did um so he blew up early in his comedy like five six years in he was doing oh uh, no not even I, I would say like three four years in he did letterman um wow. that's yeah. that's the fastest i've ever heard because i've like even Seinfeld took five years, I think, and Hannibal took five years. Yeah, yeah, no, he did. Three it. years he, doing Letterman. That's yeah, I think so. If I remember correctly, when was Hurricane Sandy? I uh, forget. I think I, 12, 13, Yeah. I think it was twenty eleven that Hurricane 11. Sandy. Uh, twenty eleven or twenty twelve? Yeah, I, it yeah. might have been twenty. Yeah, it might have been twenty twelve that Hurricane Sandy hit. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was twenty twelve. Um, and I remember that uh distinctly because um, uh, Jersey had lost power and yeah, yeah. uh uh he oh, lived yeah, in jersey at the time and uh uh he had to do letterman like but no one could get in touch with him and because <laughs> no one he had no power and then his friend rizza hit him up and, and you know anyway the rest is history with that but yeah he was like that was three years in but yeah i met him uh uh in october of 2009 i would say and uh uh we became fast friends and um yeah, it was just it was just really encouraging to see someone who I uh, was very close with see yeah. tremendous success because it was like oh shit if you know if it's happening for someone who's like right. in my like at the top of my text list 
Yeah. You know, the person that today, hey, you, you go on this mic, you know, let's go get pizza before, you know, like yeah. if, if he's like That's doing wild. John Oliver and Letterman and this and that, I'm like, oh shit, it could happen Daily for show, any of yeah. us, you know? Yeah. Daily Show, SNL writer, like it could happen when for did anybody. When you start SNL, was it 16, 17? I don't know. It's been, yeah. he's been there. He's been there for half of his comedy career, at least yeah. I would say. Wild. You know, yeah. a long time. Writer now, right? Him and Colin. Yeah, yeah, him and Colin. Yeah. Um, That's nuts. So yeah, he's doing fine. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and Michelle, I can't, I can't, I don't remember when I met Wolf, um, but it was definitely early. Um, and she's she's also one of these savants who, who yeah. also like, you know, it was not said about those those guys, you know, people like uh, uh, Che and Wolf is that they fucking work their dicks off. For sure. Like, like, create the motherfuckers were out doing a billion shows a night and, right. and, and then drinking and hanging out and then doing, <laughs> and then doing shows again. Michelle had yeah. a day job for a lot of her, her for yeah. a lot of the beginning of her comedy career. Um, and, you know, just working, 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 writing, 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 getting on stage, getting on stage, getting on stage, re- rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it shows, you know, the, the where they're at shows um, is, a, is a function of A, how funny they are, but also mm-hmm. a function of, how much fucking work they put into this shit yeah. um yeah, like those three years from open mic to letterman it wasn't like once a week casual you're like no, you put in was... 10 years of work into those three years yeah yeah no it's they they were on stage constantly did you see them murdering shit. open mics or did you just watch them like exponentially grow in their no I saw, I saw them murder open mics you know it's like yeah. and that you know the way the scene works or worked then at least is like you do you kill this mic someone there runs a show someone who, who there you know they book you on their show someone on that yeah. show runs another someone there runs another show and then mm-hmm. xyz xy it's just like you, you know you you gotta put yourself in the position to be right. seen and then when you're in the position to be seen you got to make right. sure what people are seeing is fucking high quality different shit and so yeah that's really what happened with them. You know, there's no sort of secret shortcut yeah. that they took. It was literally just fucking hard work yeah. and, and innate talent combined with right place, right time. And, right. and that was it, you know? I think the thing Schultz says, the thing I heard Neil say too, Nanda, is uh, you got to be undeniably funny. It's like yeah. you can have one good set, and if the guy doesn't see you, it's like, well, that doesn't really matter. Like, you got to be undeniably funny. And if you go out there, Mm-hmm. especially in new york or la where there's you know so much comedy and so many you know, people to me someone yeah. will see you and put you on a show and that's how you grow your profile right yep and you gotta be undeniable yep chase mm-hmm. said the same thing yeah yep and so did they like push you early like because uh, like you you hit i guess during quarantine so it's been a 10-year process for you but you still had yeah. you had chris rock you had the oscars you had a bunch of like I've had little, some, little I've had breaks, some cool, I guess. Yeah, I've had some cool reminders that I'm on the right path, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, like validation. Even yeah, if it's not yeah. fame, it's validation of your Yeah, I mean, abilities. I will I will put on my tombstone that Chris Rock said I was funny, you know? Yeah. I uh, that he told me <laughs> I was funny. I was like, that, that's enough. That that's, that's carried me carried me for years, you know? Um, because you know, there's definitely moments in comedy where you're told you're not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> by like, large audiences not laughing <laughs> uh, by large audiences and by industry uh decisions that sure. will, that you're not supposed to take personally but right. it, 
right. you don't take every, if I mean, I can't right. imagine Kobe not taking everything personally, <laughs> you right. know, like, I, uh, I mean, Michael Jordan, the whole meme from the last yeah. dance was I took that person. I took that person. <laughs> I mean, his hall of fame speech was not uh, gracious, you know, <laughs> it was like this, this, I proved you wrong. I proved you yeah. wrong. Fuck I proved you, you know, fuck you, you're so, cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, uh, there's definitely tons of reminders where you're just like, oh fuck. I mean, definitely yeah. moments where like, oh shit, I didn't, uh, I didn't think this would hurt this much to not do just for last comedy festival for three right. years in a row and be told right. I'm not worth being a new face. And then you know, the last time that happened, uh, you know, two weeks later, Chris Rock saw me at a show and mm-hmm. told me I was funny. I was like, God damn, I don't yeah. need no fucking. <laughs> they are wrong. It's like I knew, I know, I thought they were wrong, but now yeah, I proved. Now I know they're wrong. They're you wrong. know. Um, but hey, do you have a hard stop at 11 or can you go? Yeah, I should, I should, I should probably go a little longer, but I should, okay. I should bounce. I've got to be respectful of the 30 other pods you're doing this week. Yeah, yeah, thank you, man. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, to answer your question, you know, they pushed me in the sense that uh, I was like, F- I got to work just as hard. Because if I work just as hard, maybe I can be where they're at and what right. they're doing and, and like sure. be remain, you know, peers and shit, you know, and, right. and and that is, you know, what's driven me really. It's mm-hmm. like the success of my peers is just a reminder that, oh shit, I could be doing this shit too. Yeah. Um, sure. And that I want to be doing it and that I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm good. And so yeah. I, I want to be able to do that. And, uh, uh, you know, granted my standup hasn't taken off the way I want, didn't take off the way I wanted it to early on and still not where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. in terms of profile but you know that'll come um yeah. uh, uh come hell or high water you know it's like i'm not gonna stop doing what i'm doing so uh, uh i will only continue to put shit out and continue yeah. to um talk shit to people who talk negatively <laughs> in my comment section sure. <laughs> you, got to. Uh, you know uh, and i think yeah going bring it back full circle to youtube i think schultz was like the sort of pioneer saying oh, yeah. listen netflix doesn't want straight white dudes i don't fit this fuck you guys i don't need comedy central i don't need netflix yeah. i don't need yeah. just for laughs uh-huh. with the internet youtube's got whatever a billion hours you know views a day yeah and doing the whole clip thing and like going to neil putting consistent clips out and then really gaming the algorithm to say listen yeah. i'm fucking hilarious here's a one minute two minute five minute clip yeah. putting that out consistently and the algorithm will catch you and like what Schultz says is like people won't watch an hour like I, I even myself I'll go on Netflix I'll watch a stand special I'll get 10 minutes in and and bail uh-huh. where people will watch 25 minute clips in a row though yeah so just using that and it seems like you're you're putting a lot of clips out there you obviously uh, have great stuff and yeah I mean I've I've tried to catch the algorithm but it, uh, and, and kind of game it in that sense of just like putting as much stuff as I can out um and you know i i i'm a big believer in netflix and in hbo as just like you know prestige benchmarks but also like they they are huge for a reason you know everyone on my youtube a lot of comments like you need a netflix special i'm like i do um uh uh so you know me putting stuff on youtube is not a a middle finger to those places it's more like it's more like yo guys you have no choice right you have have no choice but also beyond that it's like uh, you know it goes back to the risk um assessment questions like i i will prove out to you Mm -hmm. that a bet on me is a very wise bet you know it's like 
with zero marketing, with zero mm -hmm. spend expenditure on putting my name out there totally. and with a very low cost production, yeah. you know, the, 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 the first hour I put out cost me, you know, maybe 600 bucks to shoot. Yeah. And the, the hotel 2020 that I put out cost mm -hmm. me, you know, maybe 2,500 to $3,000 all in. Right. Um, and, and I made all that back on, right. on tickets, like, right. uh, uh, and, and that has done 50,000 views in, in three weeks, you know? Right. So it's like, you know, I, the, 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 it isn't a middle finger. It's like, guys, look, look what yeah, I look. It's, look, yeah. it's cute. It, I like if, it. yeah. if you are a very basic level investor, right. You know, you, you can proved your pilot. Yeah. <laughs> you it's your, multiple your, uh, times. Beta. Yeah. You proved your beta. And, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's like, oh, and I will have to keep doing that until someone yeah. sees that it's worth putting a little money behind because the ROI yeah. will be insane. So. Absolutely. I think, you, yeah, I think you'll, you're doing all the right stuff. And I think that what we keep hearing from guys like Schultz and Norman and Sam Morell, who are undeniably funny is like yeah. Netflix is not taking any white dudes. Thankfully you're a brown dude. So hopefully you right. have a leg up on those guys. Um, I mean, my 20% of my audience is in India and, yeah. oh, and, in India. Okay, and, cool. and, and it's like, um, uh, like, I I've been a Netflix investor, you know, like for yeah. I've been in and out of the stock since you know 2011, oh, and nice. it's like yeah, I, I know I know their growth trajectory. I know what they want to be doing, and I'm just trying to tell them uh, and signal to them like, yo, this is a bet, and this is a wise bet, um, and I've done all the groundwork or proven it. Yeah, you know. Oh, man. So uh, if you're listening, Reed Hastings, yeah, I understand Reed, what Reed's you're doing. Reed's actually, well, yeah, of our 25 <laughs> listeners, one of them is Reed. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, <laughs> holla at your boy. All right, well, we heard it here first. He's gonna be, he's gonna be coming up. Uh, <laughs> do you have any any bit ideas you want to try out or anything? Else? I've been, I've been working on, uh, and I put it out. I started it last week uh, on my Thursday night Nemes show on uh, mm -hmm. uh, on the lot YouTube live stream. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a f it, which show were you at in dc i was at the one where you opened with uh you wet ass pussies and i did that every show okay was it a uh, wednesday the, one the doctors the doctors at the end okay so so that was uh that was a friday, friday. show so that show really was like um uh beyond the just the what's it called the mm -hmm. the the crowd being the best crowd that night um Thank you. you guys were great uh, beyond that, it was like that healthcare conversation. Mm -hmm. I thought about it a lot because, you know, I've been on trying to figure out just fixing healthcare in America for like three yeah. years. You know, it started with that asthma attack story that I had put out like a few years ago because that was a true story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I was working at Sam B earlier this mm -hmm. year as a, as a field producer, I, I, I made this piece called The Price is Why, which is like a, mm -hmm. a, um, a parody of The Price is Right, but all mm -hmm. healthcare prizes. And, yep. uh, you know, so I, I really learned a lot about healthcare in America over the course of the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. And I've been working on a bigger, broader healthcare bit because it re healthcare in America really fucking bothers me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, Part of it, as a lot of med students and doctors are quick to try to insult me with it, is you're just jealous you're not a doctor. It's like, yeah, maybe I am, but um, I, I do know that if I were a doctor, I'd be a much better human being than a lot of the doctors are. 
Um, and, you know, and that conversation with the neurologist that we had, that I had, yeah. that, I'm, that I'm still clipping out and editing and, and trying to figure out how to put out. You recorded the whole conversation. You recorded the, the whole thing. thing. The, yeah, the, yeah. All of it. And that that's, that's like- That's fascinating, for sure. The, the, the stuff, I'm, yeah, like you remember it, right? Like, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. She didn't know how much something she uh, right. did cost the patient. Right. And they're quick and, to defend it. Like, oh, we just give you care. We save your life. You're like, yeah, but yeah. it costs $100,000. Right. And it's like the, the point I made at the show, which I still I still got to figure out how to make funny is like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, and this is the biggest the, the heart of the why I have yeah. a lot of beef with doctors is because they and, and a lot of my cousins are doctors, five of my cousins are doctors, yeah. first cousins are doctors. So uh, uh, the heart of the issue is like you say you get into medicine because you care about people and you want to take care of people. Um, but you know, the number one stressor in America is, or number one or number two reason for a bankruptcy is healthcare costs. Mm -hmm. So how can you say you care about people if you don't care about their wallets? You know what I mean? Like it, mentally people are fucking going crazy because right. they can't afford the thing that, uh, right. physically hurt them. the stress of healthcare. In yeah. The system. yeah. And, and, and so like, I can't tell you how many times I've avoided a doctor cause I'm like, I'm not going to pay for that shit, you know, for sure. Um, and, and the, the joke I'm working on and it was inspired by the neurologist is like, mm -hmm. and I did it on that Thursday night Nemesh thing is like, uh, you know, it, a doctor doesn't know how much a procedure they provide costs because the hospital takes care of all that. Mm -hmm. That's like a hoe not knowing how much their pussy costs because a fucking pimp sets the prices. You know what I mean? It's like the same wow. thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like a yeah. doctor. Doctors are hoes, and and I supply. And that's and that's not taken away from prostitutes. I respect prostitutes. Yeah, the doctors are the real problem. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, doctors are hoes. Yeah, yeah doctors are hoes, and, and <laughs> as long as the as long as the pimp hospital keeps providing that salary crack, you know they are no. not going to they're not going to give a fuck how much their <laughs> pussy costs, because and then and then and then the 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 John sort of coat hanger abortion twice. thing in there you can figure out <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe yeah coat hanger in there but like that's the thing right it's like that's 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 kind of the analogy I wish I thought of that while I was in the fucking yeah. room but then her husband may have you know, actually fought me. Um, that guy was, yeah, that guy's a little extra. He was getting, he was getting tense. I could tell he could get, yeah. but you know, we talked afterwards real briefly. I was like, Hey man, thank you for coming. He's like, that was great. I was like, okay, cool. But I feel like I may have started a tiff between him and uh, his, his <laughs> You didn't wife. start anything that didn't already exist. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair, fair <laughs> enough. Um, they didn't sit next to each other at a show, which is- Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that like was- Like four seats apart. That was funny to me. Um, yeah. But that whole exchange was really inspirational. And, and that's the kind of, that's the bigger stuff I want to be thinking about. You know, it's like, it's kind of, it's not easy to make jokes about everyday stuff, no, but sure. it's just not where my interests are right now necessarily. You know, it's just like- I got to figure out the healthcare bit. I got to figure out radicalization. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff that I've kind of put on the back burner uh, 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 to get Patel 2020 out. Um, and now that that's done, I'll be focusing on uh, developing this all, all this new other stuff, you know? Yeah. Are you just doing shows in New York, or like just some outdoor shows and stuff? Or are you going I'm not to doing now? I'm not doing any uh, on stage stand up for a minute. Okay. Um, so how are you, you just working these bits on YouTube and stuff? Yeah. Uh, hold on one second. No worries. I, I don't, hold on one second. I don't know how these, uh, um, what's it called? Robocallers keep fucking figuring out. Uh, I got to get on some do not call list again. But 
Um, uh, to answer the question about uh, getting on stage and stuff, like I, I'm not doing any more on stage shows unless it's like you know a dear friend asked me or right. like, I absolutely feel like I need to get on stage um, yeah. in the city for a while, uh, maybe until 2021. Um, a because of COVID and B because right. I don't feel like I'm going to be able to respect the stage time in terms of right. uh, really having fully fleshed out bits and what have you. Um, you know, if I if I'm going to get on stage, it'll be at Eastville Comedy Club in Brooklyn um, because I, I I can just text the owner and be like, Yo, can I come close out on a Friday night? Um, right. Or like you know, a few other friends run some shows that I could hop on if I feel like it. But outside of that. Um, you know, I think every standup has this addictive mentality and I do too. I'm just kind of uh, to, to, to the stage and, but I'm just kind of uh, uh, take the time, the, the signal the universe has sent me to just take a beat, really focus on the writing and via, um, you know, my Tuesday morning show that I just did uh, for the first time. And then my Thursday night show um that I'm, the, the two live streams and then the open mics that i have for my members on, on my youtube page okay. i'll be able YouTube i'll be able to open mic yeah so it's just like for my members only so youtube has like this thing that's kind of like yeah. patreon but it's for like it's only called, fans yeah yeah basically, <laughs> basically yeah, yeah yeah so um i have a bunch of members that show up to those open mics that i do tuesday mondays and wednesdays Okay. Um, and then on Tuesday mornings, I'll see if I can keep up this new experimental NRI show to, for my like Indian okay. audience. How and does then, that work? You just have people like typing or is it like a, it, the open mics? The, the open yeah. mics is just like really like what I've learned from my stage time is that, you know, granted, I would love a live audience to, you know, hear actual comedy feedback, like laughter and stuff, or a lack of laughter, therefore, thereof. But uh, uh, a lot of my initial comedy work starts with me just being on stage and saying stuff out loud mm -hmm. um, for the first time, for you know, sure. and uh, you, I, I'll write it, but, you know, there's a difference in, in when I say it and, and I'll be able to find a, a new avenue or a new joke in what I've written. And so um, uh, for those open mics, it's literally just me saying shit and then like a bunch of people on the live stream will like, ha ha ha, or that's not funny or whatever the fuck. Okay. Um, and that, that feedback is important. And, and like, if I hear something and I'm enough, far enough in comedy to know that if I hear something, and I feel like there's something funny there, I'll be able to identify right. it. And conversely, if something's not funny, I'll be like, oh yeah, that shit is pretty bad. Okay. Um, it's not strong enough of a punchline. Mm -hmm. And so that's like, it's not the same as being on stage with a live sure. audience, but it's at least enough for me to like talk shit out. It's like a love and then, sticks thing, right? Exactly. And then, you know, when I do, when stages do back, open back up, um, I'll at least have the writing to a point where mm -hmm. I'll be able to say it on stage and have it structured and what have you. So right. that's what I'm doing. So you know, for all your listeners, um, you know, just uh, youtube.com finding Nemesh, like, uh, uh, that's where I'll be trying stuff out. Um, and, you know, really just being real loose with it. You know, I think, yeah. uh, uh, you know, shout out to Schultz and a bunch of people who have taken it to, you know, really like writing really well and having highly produced stuff um, that, you know, they put on their, their channels, uh, as, you know, like Schultz did that whole TV show kind of thing like a daily, his version of daily show, whatever. Yeah, like monologues. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna be doing that. Um, right. This is gonna be, a, this will be just very loose um, kind of draft versions of what I'm doing. Um, and the open mics will be
even more that, but because they're smaller, um, because it's not open to the public, I can like be really, I can repeat stuff. I can be a lot more right. focused and uh, uh, actually do like tons of jokes. Whereas when I'm doing the live streams, like I'll do the top opening monologue, but then, you know, mm-hmm. like read some comment and have to respond to it or do a Q&A and respond to it. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's really like how I'm going to be focusing my efforts to at least just keep my writing and, and talking skills sharp until I can get back on stage, you know? Yeah. And going back to YouTube, just those are things you can't do on Netflix and HBO, like the interactivity, yeah, yeah. the comments. So it is, it yeah, is an yeah. incredible platform. I still hope you get yeah. the Netflix, but I think yeah, yeah, yeah. you what it can be for, for comics. Yeah. Hey, do you have some time? Can I throw a couple bit ideas at you? Please go ahead. Right, got, so, I'll stay till 1115 and then I should right. fucking bounce. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. So first one is the NBA jerseys, you know, the black lives matter, you know, obviously uh-huh. really powerful, but they got to replace their names with these statements. Right. Mm-hmm. And some of them made a lot of sense, you know, like vote. Sure. That's, that's important. Say their names. Absolutely. Or they had specific names. Some of them, I was like, is this really the platform like education reform? Like, is Betsy DeVos watching the Lakers game going, damn, Markeith Morris, you make a really good point with the back of your jersey. Let me question everything I've done my entire life. Uh-huh. <laughs> or group economics. Like, group I just econ- feel like you got there's, there's, <laughs> there's a time and a place for that. I just don't know if that's really your audience <laughs> really sending the message you want to be sending. Uh-huh. That's, that's I mean, that's a, great, that's a good premise. Um, uh, there's not a lot of joke there yet the Markeith Morris is probably the closest thing you have to a joke there um you know my initial reaction when you open with the NBA jerseys thing is like okay this this is gonna be and and I don't personally have an investment one way or the other in uh uh what you're gonna say but uh when you start with something that's like a topic like that, the the punchline has to be very strong to get over the the wokeness of what you're about to yeah. talk about. Okay. And and you and this is what a lot of green comics and myself when I started is like you're you're so anxious to explain the the premise and the joke and get to your joke that you don't remember that there's comedy in every step of mm. what you're saying. So like, you know, even with the NBA jerseys, you, like with the set, like even with the setup, within the setup of the setup, you can yeah. find a joke. And it's just like really like building yeah. tiny laughs because that will pepper the the material along the way until you get to the final punch. And, right. uh, you know, a trick that a lot of comics use um, is to make their strongest punchline first mm. so it's like you You're already on your side yeah you got it and you gotta hit him hard and then and then pepper stuff and then hit him again with a, a much stronger punchline like that okay. is uh so you know the joke specifically uh a it's like no one even gives a shit about nba jerseys anymore um uh the premise of you know the that the core of your premise is the 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 inefficient the ineffectiveness of putting right. a, a a social justice thing on something that no one really gives a shit about. I'm not tuning right. into the NBA to watch uh, right. uh, uh, Draymond Green's 
version yeah. of what he thinks could improve the world. I don't give a in fuck. Two words that could fit on a jersey. Right? You know, like I'm not tuning in for that. You know, that's right. like, uh, it's like a fucking billboard. You right. Know? <laughs> it's a place and a time. You know, so. Yeah, that's more just sharing the premise. I've never tried that on stage, but uh-huh. to, you're a basketball guy, so I thought. Oh you yeah, yeah, yeah. Some good ideas there. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something there, but also right. like. Uh, uh, you know, the one thing I say to comics that hit me up or starting people is just like, only talk about what you think you can talk about. Hmm. You know, like everyone, I'm sure everyone's had a bit on um, the the jerseys. And, and unless you're sure that your take on the jerseys is different than everybody else's. Hmm. Um, or, or the funniest, not necessarily different, right. but the funniest. Right. Um, then pursue it. Otherwise, it's like okay, see what you can do with it, but don't like be like married to the idea that this is my fucking marquee bit. Like, For sure. Like I've identified healthcare as something that only I can talk about the way I talk about it because mm-hmm. a, no one else is talking about healthcare, but b, also like I think people are a not knowledgeable, but but also kind of respectful of the profession of healthcare. Whereas I do not give a fuck about yeah. what doctors have to say you know it's right. like i know doctors you I, I i point back to that neurologist right all the time it's like you're not gonna out i'm not gonna respect you uh beyond the fact that i know what you've done and the fact that you save lives like that doesn't mean i'm gonna automatically just Defer take what you everything. say yeah exactly yeah. so um sorry to break down your bit that way but, no that's uh, <laughs> totally fine uh again yeah it's still very much in the early stages so mm-hmm. at this point i'm just like what it's a bit that i think is funny and trying to like get the art of just getting a joke down and I think, your mom handing out tequila shots is hilarious <laughs> all right I'll, I'll that's a that's a funny thing because there is like it's personal it's personal but you can make it universal but also you mm-hmm. could say something about Indian people and drinking that only you have an insight to or whatever, you know, like that's, that's interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, the challenge is not giving up on the bit until all the meat is off the bone. You know, what's the bigger, what's the bigger takeaway from your mom handing out shots, you know, like okay. what's, what's really being said there. Um, okay. that's, that's interesting. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm sure you have a fantastic take on jerseys, but is it the, is it the most unique uh, take, or, yeah. You know? yeah i think that's true i think yeah I think you hear about comics five six seven eight years getting more personal where the first few years they're just trying to get jokes out and i'm yeah and, and then uh, you know the challenge i don't have is, a lot of personal yeah, all of my stuff is observational there's not a lot it, um, it's it's a challenge to because you know my stand-up heroes are like dave and chris and i'm sure like uh you 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 might have similar mm-hmm um inspirations and they are observational to the core about you know mm-hmm. society at large but if you listen to them closely they are taking something personal and, and making it tying it to something sh- social mm-hmm. you know it's like chris one of chris's bits is about one of the source bits that i remember is about um uh medicine and how doctors don't cure shit and then growing up the only medicine i had was robitussin you know it's oh, like put, put some tussin in it yeah know you know it's like that, leg, that put some tussin in it <laughs> that, that's a bit because it's both universal and social and, personal. and super yeah. personal you know what i mean absolutely I th- yeah you're absolutely right i think uh 
Rami, I said this with Neil too, but Rami was talking to Whitney Cummings and they're like, the more specific you get, the more universal you get. Because mm-hmm. when you're very specific and genuine, you're being the most honest and people resonate with honest comedy where if I tell a joke about jerseys or airlines or whatever, anyone, you could take anyone telling that joke. But the mm-hmm. thing with Dave or Chris is like when they have a take on it, it's their take on it. And no one else, especially Dave, has this way of breaking down you know, the news of the day or the week in such a Dave way. Yeah. 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 It's fantastic. But yeah. Um, uh, uh, cool, man. Hey, I have, no, I have uh, nothing to cap that, but yeah, I, I should go. <laughs> um, no, but thank uh, you for your for, time. No, thanks for staying late. This has been great. And, you know, find Nimesh on zooidiots.com, but tell yes. 2020 finding Nimesh. I'll link to all your websites and social and all thank that you, stuff. Man. Good thank luck with the rest of your pod run and, Happy Thanksgiving. Happy, Happy Thanksgiving, man. Thank you very much, man. Stay Take safe, care. man. Thank Peace. You. Thanks for tuning in to my conversation with Nimesh Patel. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find Nimesh at Finding Nimesh on Instagram and Twitter. He posts lots of funny clips. You can also find his new special on YouTube or at Patel2020.com. If you enjoy this show, if you enjoy this episode, please share with your friends on social media. Would love to give you a shout out. You can also leave me a voice message on the Anchor app, which is pretty cool. So would love to share more of those at the end of the show here. And if you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be super dope. You can find me at Just Kidding the Pod on all social media now. Shout out to my second guest and good friend Stephen Kaplan, aka Captain, for the theme music. Shout out to the Anchor app and the Canva app for helping me make this podcast on a shoestring budget. And until next time, bye.